0: Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is the place for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. This is episode six, entitled Follow-Up. my experience of helping estate planners to establish themselves in this industry and become successful, this activity, following up clients, is one of the most underappreciated and undervalued skills. And it is a skill. Like any skill, it requires some practice and dedication to perfect, but it's got to start with the right viewpoint. And we're going to take a look at that viewpoint shortly. However, let's begin this episode by looking at what follow-up actually is. The term, follow-up, is defined as the action of continuing or completing an activity. Continuing or completing an activity. That's a very broad term and it applies across the whole spectrum of client contact from the very first moment of communication right up to the final goodbye once the service is completed. In most of the courses that I deliver, I tend to put the subject matter of the course in context within the overall activity of being an estate planner. I give a a broad overview of the job as consisting of seven points. Number one, generating new business. Number two, consultation with the client about their situation and their succession goals. Number three, advising the client about the available solutions and selling those solutions. Number four, taking instructions for the relevant products and services. Number five, producing the relevant products and services from the instructions taken. Number six, executing the documents. And number seven, concluding the transaction. I'm sure you can agree that whilst this is a very simplified list, this brief list is a pretty accurate overview of the job of being an estate planner. Of course, your own personal setup will mean that you spend different amounts of time on each of those activities. If you've got a team or a company feeding you with new appointments or you've been in the industry long enough to now just be servicing existing clients and client referrals then you probably don't spend much time on promotion whereas if you're brand new to the industry promotion is probably where you're spending the majority of your time networking social media placing advertisements something anything that gets you names and numbers of potentially interested people Maybe you outsource your drafting to another company or another person within your company, in which case you'll not necessarily be involved directly in the production of the documents. So all of you that are listening will be spending different amounts of time on these seven different activities. But following up a client spreads across all of it. I want you to consider something for a moment. Have you ever had the experience of ringing around a number of companies to obtain something, whether it's a service or a product, You leave messages on a few answer phones, a few voicemails. You email some companies expecting all of them to get back to you to eagerly win your business and are disappointed to find out that actually very few do. I could give you many examples that I've had of this from trying to find an electrician to finding a venue to host quarterly meetings right up to getting a company to provide staff training. That disappointment from... Very few people getting back to you, very few companies getting back to you is fundamentally a lack of follow-up. Many companies pay good money to have a great website and then do nothing with the leads that it generates. But this aspect of follow-up, simply picking up a potentially interested lead and getting back to the person, that's just the start. I want to concentrate on this aspect for the sake of containing this podcast episode into its usual length. The simple example of following up a lead to make an appointment might at first seem a little obvious. You might well think, well you just pick up the phone, call the person, book the appointment, put it in the diary. But actually take a closer look at that. Suppose the person doesn't answer the first time you call. So do you leave a voicemail? Do you not leave a voicemail? Perhaps you should send them a text too. What about an email or a letter? Finally, you get to speak to the person and they say, well, actually, I'm just in the supermarket. I can't talk right now. Um, I'll call you back. Well, that puts them in the driving seat, doesn't it? So how do you handle that? Should you then call them back if you don't hear from them? How long should you leave it before you do? You finally get to speak to the person when they're not busy and they're not in the supermarket. They've got a few minutes and they say that they now need to speak to their husband or their wife before they book the appointment. So what do you do about that? Again, should you call them back if you haven't heard from them for a while? How long do you wait to do that? How many times should you contact this person before deciding that they mustn't actually want to speak to you? You get the point here. This is just one tiny little aspect of following up a client. And we've really just scratched the surface of all of the different questions, the scenarios that can arise from getting to turn a lead into an appointment. And this is what I mean when I say that this is an underappreciated and undervalued skill. According to a a range of studies, mainly from America and covering a number of different industries, there are some quite surprising statistics that relate to follow-up. The first of which is that 47% of salespeople or companies never actually made the first contact. And that's like those examples that I gave earlier, the electrician, the venue, the training companies, they never actually made that first contact. They didn't follow up to find out what it was that I needed and wanted. The next statistic is that 26% of salespeople never made a second contact. Here's another one. The first company that follows up a lead is 248% more likely to convert the person into a customer. That's the first company. So just as with the various ringarounds that I made there, there was the electrician, the venue, et The what The first one that actually gets back to me, they're 248% more likely to convert me into a customer than the second person who phones. How about this statistic in this age of speed? Following up in the first 60 seconds after contact increases conversion by over 500%. Now, bear in mind, these statistics are across a range of industries. If we were to isolate estate planning as an industry and conduct our own survey, we might find some variance in those statistical figures, but you get the point there. First contact, 47% of salespeople never actually make that first contact. I would imagine there's something similar in our industry. 26% of salespeople never make a second contact. There we have the situation where you might well have phoned up the person to say hi. You've um, inquired about a will, let's say on the website. You've, you've inquired about a will on the website. Uh, I'm just phoning to see what it is that you need and want. And the person says that they're looking to make a will. Uh, they may be asked the price, uh, and you give them the price. You answer a few questions, but then that's it. You kind of don't. You then don't make that second contact. So whilst there might be differences in our industry, or indeed in, in the UK, because as I said, a lot of these studies come from America, the fact is that the similar type of orders of magnitude of those statistics will certainly play out. Now, at the beginning of the episode, I said that the first thing to be addressed was actually your viewpoint about following up clients. I personally had something of a wake-up call about this subject a few years ago, because in the first couple of jobs that I had, The companies that I was working for treated following up a lead very seriously. It was utterly unthinkable not to follow up a client that was interested. Unthinkable. So having had that type of indoctrination in my early working life, I had the expectation that everyone treated potential clients that same way. That the viewpoint of any company, any person in a sales or customer service role would treat the interested individual like gold and would diligently, quickly follow up and wouldn't let go of that lead until they'd booked an appointment. This wasn't due to any kind of desperation or some greedy desire to get the sale, but was a genuine desire to help the person avail themselves of a service that they'd expressed an interest in and that we could provide. The viewpoint was one of simply not wanting to let that person down. Obviously, there would come a time when you would want to stop chasing a lead. If the person actually says that they've been to another solicitor's firm, they've had their will made, they don't need your services anymore, then fine. But even then, even then, because of that viewpoint, I'd be inclined to see if they wanted me to review the will that had been done or see if there is anything else that they need to complement the service that they've received elsewhere. Perhaps they need to use our storage facility, Had they also had lasting powers of attorney done? Would they like us to send them a reminder in a few years to review their circumstances as things change? There have been times when this extra couple of questions have yielded some surprisingly beneficial results. I recall one client who had made an inquiry. They'd actually booked an appointment, but then they cancelled as they found out that they could get a free will done as part of their employment benefits package. I'd responded by saying... Hey, no problem, I can't compete on price with free. (laughs) I could possibly compete on service, but I totally understand. And I appreciate you letting me know before the appointment date. Thank you. Is that appointment actually booked in? Do you have an appointment for that um, will to be made? They said that they did and it was going to be in a couple of weeks. So I offered to come and take a look over that will once it had been made for free. They initially said no. But I figured it wouldn't do any harm to ask one more time. So I said, well, look, that's fine. I don't want to waste your time. But for me, it's never a waste of time, as it's always beneficial to review another firm's work. And it's a point of professional interest as much as anything else to see the quality or maybe lack of quality in some cases. So again, I really would be happy to pop out and spend a quarter of an hour with you in a month or so. And the person actually agreed with that. So I went out to see them And the will that they had done was, frankly, pretty terrible. I ended up helping them put the right will in place and they've remained a steadfast client ever since. In fact, they've been a very good referrer of other business since that time. So let's take a look at a few mistakes that you can avoid in following up clients. Perhaps the most basic mistake of all would be just not making the call. In my experience... It's to do with your own doubts and your own considerations that are the main reason for not making an initial phone call. You kind of talk yourself out of making the call by thinking about it too much. What if they don't answer? It's only been two days since the last call. Uh, I'm sure that they said that they were going on holiday about this time. It probably isn't the best time of day for them. Look, these are your considerations. Just make the call. Make the call even though you don't know what to say. If you don't make the call, you simply can't help the person. So better to make the call and and wing it than not make the call at all. I recall one occasion of sitting down to make my follow-up calls and there was a particularly complex case where I'd already taken the client data form, but I hadn't managed to sign up the client yet. I thought I'd spend some time preparing, so I re-familiarized myself with the case I made some notes. I thought about possible objections that this person might have and how I would handle them. I made some more notes. I thought about a few more possible objections. And I started to think that I might actually need a bit more time to prepare. I was about to move on to another call when I just stopped myself and realised that I was procrastinating. I picked the phone up and made the call. And it turned out that they were totally ready for an appointment. Most of the time you just need to pick up the phone and call. The more time that you spend thinking about it, the less likely you are to actually pick up the phone. So just pick up the phone, call the person and get on with it. The next mistake could be waiting too long. You know what it's like, you don't want to appear desperate, you don't want to hassle the client, so you leave it for a while. A while becomes a week, becomes a month before you get back in touch with the prospect, only to find that they've then gone to another solicitor. So don't leave it too long before making that next call. If the client is going to think about it or asks you to give me a call in a week or so, put a note to call them in a couple of days. There can be creative ways to follow up your client so that you've got good reasons to call them, but don't leave it too long. Telephone calls, emails, texts, letters, any form of contact should be done regularly and relatively intensely. Obviously, you don't want to overwhelm the prospect, but if it isn't urgent for you, it won't be urgent for them either. They need help to put their affairs in order and you're the right person to do it. So if you leave it and they go elsewhere, potentially get poor or overpriced service, then you're opening the client up to something that you could have done better. So do the person a favour and follow up regularly. The next mistake would be not including enough variety in your follow up. There needs to be variety. If you keep calling the person with the same script or the same question, then you're probably going to get the same answer. Hi, would now be a better time for you to make an appointment to look at your wills? Uh, no, not right now. Okay, I'll give you a call in a week. Hi, would now be a better time To have an appointment to look at your wills? No, not right now. Okay, I'll give you a call in a week. (laughs) This could go on forever. You need to introduce some variety. If the same script or same question isn't working, then try something new. Hi, I know we've spoken a few times and we haven't quite found the right timing to look at your wills, but we've got an offer at the moment and I don't want you to miss out. So I figured we could get together at some point soon. Uh, Can you perhaps make it this week? That would be a variety, wouldn't it? That would be a change from your earlier attempt to find a decent time to get together with the person. How about this one? Hi, I've got a client to see later this week and they're like a couple of streets away from you. So how are you fixed for Thursday morning? If you can spare half an hour, perhaps at about half past nine? The reasons should be genuine. I'm not saying that you should lie or make things up. You can be creative and you can be very genuine in the way that you creatively find different reasons for the contact with the client, to follow up the client. Again, bear in mind here that we're talking about that early part of following up when you're trying to convert a lead into an appointment. I recall having one client who'd expressed an interest. She was actually the friend of an existing client. So I phoned this person up and... It just so happened that I phoned her up on her birthday. And she said, you know, she was in the middle of some birthday preparations. Fair enough, happy birthday. I'll call you again in a few days' time. So I did, I followed up. And sure enough, it was that I'm in a supermarket type of, I can't talk right now. Fair enough, I'll phone you up in a few days' time. Phoned up in a few days' time. Again, it wasn't quite right for the person. They were having their kitchen done or they were in the middle of something. So each time... Person wasn't saying, I don't want to do a will. You know, each time she was actually saying that she was interested, it just wasn't the right time for her. So, at what point do you drop this? At what point do you think, Well, I'm not actually going to get an appointment here, or it's wasting my time? Keep phoning the person. But you know what? If that's what you're thinking, then you can say it in a very polite way. You can always ask the person, Look, I'm starting to feel this is like the fourth time that I phoned you the fifth time that I phoned you I'm starting to feel like I'll, I might actually be hassling you a bit a little bit so let me just ask you a straightforward question would you be interested in seeing me and getting my help in putting your affairs in order if the person says yes great you can keep following up you can always of course put at some point you know maybe you're at call number six or call number seven and and you get into that point of thinking well this is now actually becoming a waste of my own time as well I've got interested people who want my service and who are booking an appointment on the first time that I speak to them you know you can always put a, a little bit of an ultimatum there and politely say something along the lines of well look i we're on about the seventh call here and I know I said previously I don't want to feel like I'm hassling you but at the same time I also do have other people to service. I'd really like to help you. I'd really like to assist you in putting your affairs in order but we really do need to put something in the diary if if, if I am going to be the one to assist. Can we have a look at the diary next week? You, know, you can be a little bit more insistent if it gets to that point. You can still do that politely. You can still do it in a way that makes the other person feel important you're giving them that importance this is a a a genuine thing isn't it you don't want to be fake in in what you're saying in the follow-up that you're doing you can be genuine about that the next mistake would be not collecting data during your follow-up calls you're bound to get those little bits of extra information about your prospect they're going on holiday to scotland their dog is called rex they have a kitchen refit that they're doing. All of these apparently meaningless little items of information actually start to build a picture of the client and their situation. You should be logging that information in your database, in your CRM, uh, client relationship management software, whatever it is that you're using to store information. You need to collect that so that that picture is being built. You need to be logging the information down. So when you do call the person for the eighth time, you can ask them about their holiday or see if their new kitchen is making their life easier. It shows your interest in the person. It builds the relationship. The next mistake would be not storing, not organizing data. You have to have some system, something to log information about the client and your follow-up actions. That can be as simple as a straightforward Excel spreadsheet. In fact, I know that that's what a lot of people use. But then there are free customer relationship management systems that you can download off the internet. You can pay for some that are a little bit fancier if you want to invest in a good uh, system that can make your follow-up a lot easier and do a lot of that administrative work for you. But you've got to have something. Even if it is a paper diary, even if you're just jotting something down on paper, something that prompts you to follow up the person again in the future, that's better than nothing. You certainly shouldn't be doing it from memory. So those are some of the key mistakes that you can make and ways to avoid them. This episode is just about as long as I want it to be. And there is a whole lot more to this subject that I do want to share with you at some point. Inevitably, therefore, we'll be returning to client follow-up at some point in the future. But just to summarise this episode, the key to follow-up is your viewpoint If you have the right viewpoint, if you see it as your honor bound duty to take care of that interested individual and ensure that they get the right estate planning in place, then you're probably 80% of the way there anyway. Avoid some of those key mistakes of not making the call, leaving it too long before making further follow-up calls, not keeping your follow-up varied and not collecting and not organizing client data. As always, I do hope that you have found that useful and I shall very much look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Thank you for listening.